Credit Suisse is the global sponsor of the New York Philharmonic. The New York Philharmonic this week is generously underwritten by the Kaplan Foundation, the Audrey Love Charitable Foundation, the National Endowment for the Arts, and by the Philharmonic's corporate sponsor, MetLife Foundation. From Avery Fisher Hall in New York City, it's the New York Philharmonic This Week, a weekly program of concerts and recorded highlights by one of the world's great orchestras. And this week, we begin with the Festival Coronation March by Peter Ilyich Tchaikovsky. Bramwell Tovey conducts the New York Philharmonic.
Festival Coronation March by Tchaikovsky. The New York Philharmonic was conducted by Bramwell Tovey, leading off an all Tchaikovsky broadcast. Bramwell Tovey will return to the stage shortly, and when he does, he'll be joined by pianist Kirill Gerstein for a performance of Tchaikovsky's first piano concerto. Tchaikovsky was so confident that his first piano concerto would be a success that when his mentor Nikolai Rubinstein made some disparaging remarks about it, the composer is said to have responded, I will not change one note. Instead, it was Rubinstein who changed his mind, citing its remarkable pianistic writing, melodic content, and colorful orchestration. Rubinstein performed it to great acclaim along with other Tchaikovsky compositions. And we return to the stage now for the Piano Concerto No. 1 in B-flat minor opus 23 by Tchaikovsky. Kirill Gerstein is the soloist and Bramwell Tovey conducts the New York Philharmonic.
Piano Concerto No. 1 by Tchaikovsky. Kirill Gerstein was the soloist, and the New York Philharmonic was conducted by Bramwell Tovey. Our broadcast will continue in a moment when Mr. Tovey leads the orchestra in a program of selections from Act 4 of Tchaikovsky's ballet Swan Lake. I'm Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to the New York Philharmonic this week. And returning to the stage at Avery Fisher Hall to introduce the next music on our program is Bramwell Tovey. Maestro? Now, Act 4 of Swan Lake is um, a th what we call a through composting as part of the narrative. It's a piece of music that actually follows continuously four movements that follow to the brilliant and amazing climax of this extraordinary ballet score. Tchaikovsky wasn't terribly happy with Swan Lake. Shortly after he composed it, he heard uh, Franz de Liebes' gorgeous score for Capella in Paris. And that's a beautiful ballet score, gorgeously crafted and very, very light in texture. Whereas um, Swan Lake is very heavily scored and extremely heavy in content and in texture. Uh, the story of Swan Lake is in your program. Just very briefly, in case you haven't seen it, Prince Siegfried um, has come of age and his mother is trying to organize him uh, a wife. Uh, she's trying to plan it for him without him really knowing about it, which, as we all know, is an ancient tradition still in practice today. Uh, <laughs> Four princesses come from across Europe. He spurns them all and goes out into the forest hunting where he sees um, a, a beautiful swan that he's about to shoot with his crossbow. And all of a sudden, he realizes that actually it's not any old swan. It's actually a princess who has been turned into a swan by the weak, uh, wicked magician von Rothbart. Um, various machinations ensue. Um, but by the time we reach the fourth act, um, unfortunately, Siegfried has been deceived by Odile, who is the daughter of uh, von Rothbart. Odile is the spitting image of Odette, who is the original swan princess. Um, and uh, at the end of the, the ballet, there's various things happen, but they do declare undying love to each other, and they decide uh, to leap into Swan Lake, uh, the lake of the swans, and to end it all by dying. They will break the spell of the magician, and they will live happily ever after kind of thing. Um, I, first conducted, I first conducted this music um, some years ago. Um, when I was first starting out, I was a conductor for five years at the Royal Ballet, and it was my duty and obligation to conduct this score all over the world with 40 young ballerinas in tow. It was a tough assignment, but I got through it. And every time I conducted uh, this last act, I thought how wonderful it would be to do it in concert. There is a great deal of Swan Lake that's already used in concert suites, the waltz and the famous oboe theme, which you would recognize if you were to hear it, even if you didn't know what it was. It's one of those pieces, plus numerous national dances. You will hear the famous oboe theme halfway through this selection. But instead of the normal sedate and rather sad ambience of the oboe theme in what we call B minor. You'll hear it in a very agitato A minor. For those of you who are into key signatures, it's rather sad, isn't it? Um, but B minor has two sharps, and A minor has none whatsoever. Now, when, we, uh, when we're going through this movement, um, other things to look for will be this gorgeous uh, tune uh, in the middle of this selection, where the strings play this passionate melody that's then, then echoed by the horns. And this, um, this is a, a, one of the greatest 
um, love duets, even though there's nobody singing or nobody uh, perhaps uh, singing words to it, it's still a love duet in ballet. And it's a gorgeous moment um, in the ballet score uh, and a wonderful moment on stage. Tonight we have no dancers, but at the end of this selection, as the music reaches a climax, you'll hear some music that simulates water and you'll feel the gentle lapping of the waves on the lake as Tchaikovsky takes us to this terrifying and brilliant climax. Ladies and gentlemen, act four of Tchaikovsky's Swan Lake.
We just heard selections from Act Four of Swan Lake by Peter Ilyich Tchaikovsky. The New York Philharmonic was conducted by Bramwell Tovey. Our program opened with a festival overture, and now we hear another, more familiar one. Bramwell Tovey will lead the New York Philharmonic in the year 1812 Festival Overture in E-flat Major, Opus 49, more commonly known as simply the 1812 Overture. This piece was written in 1880 to commemorate Russia's defense of Moscow against Napoleon's advancing Grand Army at the Battle of Borodino in 1812. Here, with a few more words about that, is conductor Bramwell Tovey. Now, every time I conduct the 1812 Overture, I always think there's somebody in the audience who's never heard it. The climax of the work uh, involves the brass playing as loudly as possible and the strings trying to start a fire and, um, <laughs> and uh, the bells at the back uh, being rung rampantly. Um, Tchaikovsky wants them rung in as melodious and harmonic and as loud a way as possible. And so consequently the percussion do a lot of training uh, for that as you can imagine, um, press ups and all the rest of it. Um, but the piece itself has a narrative, it has a story, and I'll just share that with you if I may, and even if I may not, you're going to get it. Okay. Um, I should tell you that the piece begins with a quartet of cellos and a duet, if that's not an oxymoron, of violas. Two violas and four cellos. And at the beginning of the piece, they're playing God Save the Tsar. Um, which, in fact, uh, he or she signally failed to do in 1918. But in this... Um, <laughs> In this context, it most certainly happened, uh, because in 1812, in addition to a little skirmish that took place down the road between the Canadians and British and the Americans, for which I really am awfully sorry, um, <laughs> this 1812 has nothing to do with that, okay? Just in case you were wondering, in case your education's been a little awry, this 1812 has to do with Napoleon's armies invading um, Russia and spending a winter in Moscow when the place had been razed to the ground. There were no supplies, very little shelter. Many of his troops died, and on the way home, uh, they were pulverized, to put it uh, frankly. Um, not quite, um, uh, in fact, it was extremely one-sided. The Russians completely slaughtered the, the French as they were um, desperately trying to escape uh, Moscow. And uh, at the beginning, the cellos and the violas remind us of uh, the Russian Orthodox Church. They remind us, perhaps, of the prayer, God Save the Tsar. And just as the tune reaches a climax, um, uh, the words, God Save the Tsar, uh, which the viola has, um, uh, the timpani saves us from many more, and the, um, uh, the orchestra comes crashing in with what feels like very disquieting music. It's a little worrying. I would imagine the night before a battle is something unspeakably nerve-wracking. And um, like all battles, this doesn't come in one great wave. There are skirmishes, there are, um, there are various uh, set-twos. And then we hear some very beautiful and romantic music. Now, Tchaikovsky didn't say what he intended this music to be. It's a, a melody in the strings. But I conjecture that it's probably um, the soldiers saying goodbye uh, to their wives and uh, kissing fond farewells and um, saying adieu. Um, see you tomorrow, many of them knowing, of course, that they wouldn't. Then we go off into another great skirmish, and then, um, then there's another burst of the farewell music. I can only imagine that this time it's lovers, and um, not wives, or something like that, I'm not sure. 
Knowing the military in those days, one cannot be too sure. But nonetheless, um, it's a little more sedate, a little bit more withdrawn, because obviously the serious side of the battle is coming up. We've already had little bursts of the Marseillais, and um, finally we get um, a very uh, one of those drum rolls that feels as though it's underpinning events of very, very great importance. The orchestra seems to get faster and faster and busier and busier and louder and louder before um, a huge descending scale in the strings and then finally the band comes in, the brass uh, come in at the end with um, God Save the Tsar once more. The tune you heard so quietly and so intimately in prayer form at the beginning comes back at the end in great, great triumph, terrifically loud, and um, then every instrument in the orchestra is marked with four fortes, which is about as loud as it gets before the health and safety people kick in. <laughs> um, this is a very wonderful um, overture. It was written um, on a commission. Tchaikovsky didn't care for the piece, but nonetheless, it's a brilliant execution of a commission, and it just describes the situation um, exactly as I think it must have been in 1812. If you're hearing this piece for the first time, I'm very envious of you. Um, and if you're hearing it for the first time and you didn't realize how important it was, it should be on your bucket list of uh, top 100 pieces of music to hear before you're 21. <laughs> Some of you might be a bit behind the eight ball on that. Enjoy Tchaikovsky's 1812 Overture.
That was Tchaikovsky's 1812 Overture as performed by the New York Philharmonic. The conductor was Bramwell Tovey. Next, to conclude our program, we turn to a recording Philharmonic music director Alan Gilbert made with the orchestra of music from another Tchaikovsky ballet. This time we hear act two of The Nutcracker. Alan Gilbert conducts the New York Philharmonic. Philharmonic audio director Lawrence Rock is the music producer for this series. The executive producer is Vince Ford. These programs are written and produced by Mark Travis with assistance from Nick Bremer and Amanda Conti. And for now, until next time, this is Alec Baldwin wishing you good health and good music. Credit Suisse is the global sponsor of the New York Philharmonic. The New York Philharmonic this week is generously underwritten by the Kaplan Foundation, the Audrey Love Charitable Foundation, the National Endowment for the Arts, and by our corporate partner, MetLife Foundation.